Part of our talk tonight will be will include the issue of provision, of equipping. Must we pray for Jonathan just the same. And um, there will be an opportunity later on in the service if people want to just come and tell us about how God has provided for them in a small way, or it might be where you'd love God to provide for you because uh, you need it. So uh, just to think on that, the opportunity will come later in the service. And before we start, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, as we look more closely at this passage now, we pray for our guidance and inspiration as we uh, speak your words. And for each one of us, Lord, to hear what you have to say to us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, we're looking at this passage in, in Hebrews, and it begins uh, by talking of Christian leadership. So, well, what does a church leader look like? We've just heard the name of our new rector, but we don't know who he is. I don't think we do. Um, I certainly don't. But, you know, what's he like? What's he going to be like? Will he change things? What will he do? Well, our parish reps have done a brilliant job seeking God so closely as they led into the interviews. But just imagine for a minute that it was us and we were sorting through the list of applications for the Rector of Aldridge. Now, we've got a selection for you that you might like to have a look at. And just have a think who you'd like to shortlist for the interview. Hmm. Moses. Stutters. He's got a quick temper and he can be violent. Rejected. Rejected. Abraham. Oh, he's known to lie when he gets in trouble. Rejected. Ooh, David. Immorality is a problem. And he's got a very dysfunctional family. Rejected. Rejected. Then there's, oh, there's Isaiah. Excuse me, in a worship service, he announced he'd got unclean lips. Rejected. Rejected. Jeremiah. Far too emotional. He cries a lot. He's very prone to self-pity. And he's a bit of an alarmist. Rejected. Rejected. Well, John the Baptist. He's a good preacher, but he does lack tact. And he's such a sloppy dresser. Rejected. Rejected. Well, Peter. Mm, well, Peter actually denied Christ in public on multiple occasions. He's prone to speak before he thinks, and he smells of fish. Rejected. Rejected. Oh, well, there's Lydia, of course. Well, some would say she's a woman. Rejected. Rejected. Well, Jesus. Well, Jesus, he really believes everyone is welcome. He regularly tells, uh, tells off church leaders. He talks far too much about money and the poor, and he spends too much time with sinners, and he thinks he's the boss. 
No way we're calling that guy. So, just to give you a bit of background to Hebrews, we don't know with any certainty who wrote the book of Hebrews, though scholars favour either Barnabas or Apollos. We do know that it was probably written less than 40 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. So the church was very much in its infancy, and of course it's very close to the time of Jesus. In today's passage, the Last of Us series from the book of Hebrews, we're going to begin with a look at leadership, as you've gathered. Now, that's really pertinent in the light of our more or less leadership state here at APC, notwithstanding the announcement, we don't know when it'll start. So, so what should our leader look like? Well, how about this? He should preach for exactly 15 minutes, but cover all the Bible has to say on the topic. He should condemn everybody's sins, except, of course, yours, and never say anything anyone might disagree with. He works from 6am to midnight, but gets eight hours sleep a night, so it's to be constantly alert. She prepares sermons every week for 40 years, but never, ever repeats an illustration or a joke. He earns his salary, £100 a week, say, but always looks smart, keeps up to date with technology, gives half of his income to the poor. She's 38 years old, but she's had 25 years ministerial experience. Has a burning desire to work with teenagers and spends all their time with senior citizens and a close friend to every church member. Smiles all the time with a straight face because they have a sense of humour which keeps them seriously dedicated to their work. And of course, makes 15 pastoral visits a day and is always in the office when you need him. Well, I don't think we'll get any applicants like that and I doubt very much that Steve is going to be like that. But the Bible's model of leadership is very different. Leaders come in all shapes, sizes and abilities. But verse 17 of our reading gives us the main clue as to what they should be as leaders. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the supervision of God. We probably won't get the leader that every one of us wants. We definitely won't get a perfect leader, as we've said. But we pray we get a leader who works under the strict supervision of God. And we here at APC must take the rest of verse 17 to heart, contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them? So Steve, when he arrives, may be unexpected. But however he turns out to be, he will be responsible to God as he seeks to lead us into the next section of our life here at APC. So how do we respond to that? And we're going to look at the passage that we've read under three Ps. Prayers, provision and please. Firstly, prayers. And at this point I want you to do some work. So I want you please to turn to your neighbour and I want to answer these questions. Do you pray? You're going to ask that to your neighbour, and he, she or he or she is going to ask you the same question. Do you pray at all? 
And how and when do you pray if the answer to that was yes? So, there you go. A few minutes. Okay, let's uh, come back together again. So, pray for us, the writer says. Well, we can all pray for our leaders, surely. From the youngest and the simplest to the oldest or the most erudite, we can lift our leaders to God. We can pray for them, seeking their good before God. Now, there's always a danger when we pray for our leaders that we bring in our own agendas, isn't there? Our own opinions, our own hang-ups. Lord, let, um, let him see my point of view. Uh, let, let him change this the way I want it to do. Let him have this type of worship. What should we pray? Well, firstly, we ought to pray for their spiritual lives, that they may know God's love for them, that they may keep close to God, hear his voice clearly for them and the church, follow God's lead so that they may depend on him, not their own abilities. We want to pray for their leadership, that they may have wisdom, the ability to communicate clearly, that they may have boldness necessary to lead. We're going to pray for their heart, that they may have the ability to love and love again, and then express that in ways that show care while honouring God. And pray for their welfare, that they may have the strength to fulfil their duties, time to recuperate, space to enjoy friends and family, that they may be encouraged so that they too can encourage. And then we need to pray for ourselves and those other brothers and sisters here at APC. Because in, it says again in verse 17 in, in the NIV that we need to submit to their authority. Now, submission is not an easy task for us in the Western world, and it's a word we don't like very often. We're used to democracy as our pattern of leadership. Yeah, we have to submit at work or school or wherever, and we bear it most of the time because we get paid or we have to. We submit to the police and those who uphold the laws of the land because we know in our heart of hearts that there would be anarchy without it. But in our church, how often do we want our say and we want the ability to persuade that our way is best? But this verse states that we must be responsive to our leaders, listen to their counsel and submit to them. So that when all the talking is finished, the leader will make a decision 
and we need to work to make that course of action a success. What a tragedy it is when we read in the press and about sections of the congregation of this place or that, that they fall out over music, over buildings or whatever. Of course, we believe that the ultimate authority is God's word. So we will test action and words against what the Bible says. And now on to our next P, provision. And this is in verses 20 and 21. And these two verses are really quite complicated at first reading. But then when we look more closely, they're very straightforward. They tell of God's provision for us in two ways. Firstly, he is the God of peace. The NIV calls him the God of peace, while the message says beautifully that God puts all things together and makes all things whole. We live in a world that appears more and more dysfunctional, a society that seems to care little for anything but materialism and being better than anyone else. Did you know that the Oxford English Dictionary last year added a new word? FOMO, fear of missing out. Folk are constantly trying to show that they're having a great time and life is totally wonderful. And I was reading an article the other day about a group of teenagers who were getting ready for a party. They spent hours beforehand posting pictures of themselves getting dressed up and ready and then spent their time at the party checking social media to make sure that their friends weren't having a better time elsewhere. In the midst of it all, where was their fun and enjoyment? It was drowned in the stress of making sure that they weren't missing out on something that was potentially better. And into all that comes the gentle voice, I am the God of peace. And if we drown out that voice in our perpetual strivings, we do so at our peril. And often at the cost of our mental, not to say our spiritual health. Secondly, these verses tell us that God is the God of life. He raised Jesus from the dead. John 10.10 John 10 tells us that Jesus died so that we might have abundant or fullness of life. Not life that is spent in complete fear that we might be missing out or something better, but life that is lived joyfully in the knowledge that there is nothing better than the abundant life God wants us to live. It's a life free of the strivings to keep up, free of the stress of keeping up appearances. It's a life of joy, knowing that we are God's special and totally loved children just as we are. There is nothing better than the abundant life God wants us to live. Just be quiet for a few moments and take time to reflect on that. There is nothing better than the abundant life God wants us to live.
There is nothing better than the abundant life God wants us to live. And God is the God of peace in the midst of our strivings. Once we've grasped those two amazing truths of verse 20, we can move on to verse 21 when God says, Now that you know that you're special, redeemed and loved, go out and show this in the way you live your lives. In doing the work I've called you to and I will equip you to do it. Last week we prayed over Kate Ward before her trip to Greece to assist in the outreach there. We prayed for her equipping and peace. And it'll be great, won't it, when she comes back to hear the news of God's answered prayers. For he's promised here in Hebrews and in numerous places in the Bible that when we step out in faith, God will meet our needs. <coughs> there have been many instances in my career as a nurse when I've been in situations, especially in my work in palliative care, when I felt I really don't know how to handle this situation or what to say. And it's at those times I've sent up an arrow prayer, usually just help. And time and time again, I've heard myself say or do something and sort of thought, where did that come from? And recognised that God has equipped me, that he's given me just what was needed for that situation just as he promised he would. And I'm sure that many of you here have had similar experiences of God's provision. He's just an awesome God, isn't he? When we ask him, he comes through. Even if it's just like my prayer, help. And on to our last P, and it's a plea from the writer in verse 22 to 25. Friends, please take what I have taken, I have written, seriously. This is not just the ideas from our passage today, but from the whole of this letter written to a relatively young church. A letter that tells us that Jesus is God. He is supreme and has revealed God's grace and power to us through his life and death and resurrection. The letter talks about how this knowledge, this faith, should be applied as we live out our lives day by day. Take it seriously, says verse 22. Don't drift away as the world tries to grab your attention. Take it seriously. Don't forget to worship our amazing God. Watch out that your worship isn't being directed towards material things instead. Take it seriously. Read God's word. Share with one another all the things that God has done for you and how he has equipped you and guided you. Take it seriously. Don't treat relationships as disposable and interchangeable. Take it seriously. Don't forget to care for and pray for your leaders. Take it seriously. God has promised to provide for you and fill you with his peace as you live out your life for him. Amen. We're going to uh, move on with our worship, but just a reminder that if God has been prompting you to share something 
about how he has provided for you, then we'd love to hear you say it after this next song. <laughs> 